Previously, on Return of the King, with the help of a homicidal demonic entity, Dari, the King of Seduction Coaches, has scaled the heights of the Manosphere. He's gone through the shamanic induction process and been appointed to the Council of Men. Last week, our hero made a major contribution to the fight against feminism, with only a tiny bit of spoon feeding from the reanimated corpse of Jimmy Savile. Return of the King, Chapter 24 I'm gonna dance. Sorry lad, I've got some news. I'm afraid we decided to ask Paul Nam to present your plans for a unified manosphere at the keynote. We'll assign you as the understudy though. It would be a tragedy if we lost another speaker, but the show must go on. Sir Jimmy had called, just as Malcolm and Darry were starting on their post-workout snack of pureed chicken, mayonnaise and goji berries. Oh, oh, okay, I, I understand. You know, I would be so terribly sad if Paul were to go the way of Mr Robert Smith. It would break my heart. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Yes, Daddy. If Paul were to have some kind of accident and be unable to give the presentation, I'd be devastated. We all would. But life goes on. Um, okay. Daddy disconnected the call, took a deep breath, and hurled his phone across the room. Spark! Deary, what's wrong? Poor Nam. That sneaky shitbug stole my gig. How dare he? How fucking dare he? Sorry, bro. This is just the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes we gotta make sacrifices. Malcolm reached for Darry's shoulder and squeezed it gently. But Malcolm, it's my idea. Mine. I thought of it, I pitched it, I convinced you guys. Me, me, me. And this guy just rocks up and takes it? It's because he's a celebrity, dearie. We need the star power. Darry swept the ceramic bowls and cups off the table, smacking them on the tiled floor of the Now, what exactly did he say? Um, that I'm a fucked hard nobody loser, so poor Nam has to give the talk and make me feel less like a piece of useless shit. Jimmy made me the understudy. So if something were to happen to Paul, you'd get the part? Nothing's happening to Paul. There are no feminist extremists. He's in perfect health. Everyone fucking loves him. Malcolm gave Darry a puzzled look. What do you mean there are no feminist extremists? Oh, not, nothing. I mean, they can't be a threat now with, with all the security. Yeah, yeah. Was he suspicious? Did he know something? 
Had Darry given himself away? Nah, can't be. Anyway, Jimmy kept reiterating how awful it would be if Paul couldn't make it. Like, thanks for rubbing it in how much more you like him than me. Are you sure that's what he meant? Darry howled again and <coughs> smashed his head on the table. Malcolm scooted behind Darry's chair and wrapped him in a bear hug. Darry, come on. Come and get some sleep. You're overtired. Darry sniffled and nodded, tears smeared all over his face. He pushed his fists into his eye sockets and sobbed as he allowed Malcolm to pull him to his feet and guide him to the guest bedroom. Malcolm tucked him into bed, turned the light off and closed the door. The tweeting of birds on their dawn hunt woke Darry from shallow, restless sleep. He pulled his laptop out and Bing searched, Paul Nam, men's rights. Who was this bastard anyway? The first hit was a profile in the New York Mirror from the early 2000s. A crazy kid from Virginia had organised a protest against circumcision on the Washington Mall. He and several others had donned white trousers and doused their crotches in red paint, standing in silence for two days. It had caused some consternation. At first, it seems, legislators had thought it was some kind of campaign to lift sales tax on tampons or something. Various congressmen had sent security guards to shoo them away, citing the offensive nature of their protest as grounds for removal. The men had then acquired signs to clarify the point of the protest and were allowed to stay. The rest was history. The next few listings were interviews in various newspapers about men's health and the suicide crisis. Video clips of him on TV, his website Hear My Roar, blogs citing him as an inspiration to all men. Darry was unimpressed. This guy was an attention seeker. He exercised no discrimination in choosing to whom he would talk or how his words would be used. He wasn't even on the Council of Men, but he seemed to think he was the voice of the movement. Darry scrolled and scrolled through the search results, his eyes tired, sore from the blue light of the screen. So far down, his dry eyes nearly missed it. On page three of the list, an interview. It was new, published only a month or two ago. Probably why it was so low down in the rankings. How I learn to stop worrying and love the mom. Hmm. It was an interview with a feminist-leaning news blog. Darry read the story, puzzled. This was weird. Bing was showing Darry that Paul didn't usually talk to women, let alone feminazis. I've come to realise through years of campaigning and talking to men, psychologists and social workers, health researchers, that a lot of the problem here is with men ourselves. 
There's really a toxic vein of masculinity that shuts down any examination of our own flaws. This idea that we can never apologize, never acknowledge fault, never say that we were wrong. Like, you aren't a real man if you do and people will come for you. No, really, this interview right now. A whole load of guys with a fragile hold on their sense of place will read this and go apeshit. That's just messed up. They really think that if I say, yeah, maybe our idea of manhood doesn't work, bad things will happen. They have to destroy me to prove how manly they are, to prevent other men from attacking them. Here's my question. If it's women pulling the strings, how come the ones I have to prove my masculinity to are other men? Enforced gender roles are what holds society together? Give me a break. We have laws and cultural institutions. You really think if you let people feel what they feel and like what they like, the world will fall down? Leave the fucking bronies be. Applejack's a goddamn role model. Bite me. Whoa. Darry read the article over and over, not quite believing what he was reading. This guy had been chosen over him? What? How was this not everywhere? Paul was apparently in the pantheon of the Manosphere, but nobody was talking about this... this grenade? What was Jimmy thinking of? Did Malcolm not know about this? The sun had risen and it was time for his morning squats. Darry put away his computer and pulled on his support shorts. He had a lot of negative energy to burn out. By mid-morning, Darry had calmed down. He managed to make it through the futurism panel. He was seething, but pretty sure no one noticed it. He was actually pretty good at staying cool and in control. Yeah, things were okay. Being angry was good. It powered him, inspired him, made him a better man. It occurred to him as he'd gone about his day that maybe Sir Jimmy wasn't so keen on Paul. Maybe the others had forced his hand. There was a hint there. It was barely perceptible. The way Sir Jimmy had said, the show must go on, it almost sounded like, like an invitation. In the late afternoon, Darry had been asked to sub in on a panel on neuro-linguistic programming and sales-entrepreneurship since this was his area of expertise. Paul was the moderator. Darry put on a show, good-naturedly bantering with the other guests. They were all good. Paul had stayed behind to chat to Darry. He introduced himself. Honestly, seemed like a pretty good guy. Despite his hurt, Darry had started to like the man. Maybe the disgusting betrayal in their interview was actually some kind of double bluff. 
Could he be making some kind of play? Applejack? Mm, that, that couldn't be real. Derry gave Paul the benefit of the doubt as they chatted about the convention. Paul mentioned that he was looking forward to giving the keynote, but Malcolm hadn't given him the theme yet. As he explained this, a fault line activated in Derry's abdomen. Paul didn't even know what talk he was giving. Like, he's so important, he doesn't need to prepare. Doing his best to contain himself, Derry smiled and laughed. Paul picked up a hemp tote bag bulging with flyers and pamphlets. A small slogan on the side of the bag, almost illegible from years of wear and sun exposure, read, Friendship is magic. A tectonic shift in his chest obstructed Derry's fake chuckle. As they trotted off stage, it just so happened that Darry found himself directly behind Paul on the steps. The lights were low and it was, it was tricky to see exactly where their feet should go. As Darry stepped down on the first stair, he wobbled. He put his hands out to stabilise himself, uh, somehow delivering a sharp shove to Paul's back. Paul cried out as he tumbled, bouncing off the wooden stairs. He came to rest in a heap at the bottom. Durry ran down the seven steps, screaming. Medic! Medic! It's Paul Nam. He slipped and gone down the stairs. The top of his voice. Paul, Paul, are you okay? Kneeling beside Paul's battered, crumpled body, he lifted the injured man's head. Derry, Derry, I know, I know, Jimmy. I won't tell, but, but listen, remember, there's always someone younger and hungrier coming down the stairs after you. Don't you forget. Ugh. A group of men ran over, bustling around Paul, pushing Darry aside. As they worked on stabilising Paul's mangled body, Derry got up and edged away. He slipped out through the fire exit and into the dark. Next time on Return of the King, Derry seeks out some spiritual guidance from mega church leader Pastor Jason. Will he find some solace, or will this just make things worse? Let's find out next week. Bye!